This message comes from NPR sponsor, The Pitchfork Review. It's the podcast for the music obsessed, the music curious, and everyone in between. Listen to The Pitchfork Review and hear music differently. Find new episodes every Friday at midnight. Mornings don't always go the way we want them to. But now, the news starts when you want it to. Morning Edition from NPR News is now available on demand, weekdays from 7 to 3. Just say, Alexa, play Morning Edition. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. And in a special collaboration, this is also this week's episode of All Songs Considered. Because while Bob Boylan and Robin Hilton are keeping things running smoothly around the tiny desk, I am sitting in a park in Havana, Cuba. Why? Because this past week, the NPR Tiny Desk Contest winners Tank and the Bangas were part of a historic cultural exchange between New Orleans and Havana that was designed to remind us of a musical connection between the two cities that goes back hundreds of years. They were invited by the Cuban band Sima Funk for a series of concerts and events that was billed as Getting Funky in Havana. That also featured another band from New Orleans, the Soul Rebels, and a youth band from the Trombone Shorty Foundation. This was a jam-packed week full of many emotional moments and incredible music performances. This week, Alt Latino and All Songs Considered bring you highlights from a week in Havana. The first stop was the Conservatorio Amadeo Roldan, Cuba's most prestigious musical institution. History was definitely a theme on this trip, and if the walls of this conservatory could talk, they would tell the complete story of contemporary Cuban music. It opened in 1903, and it moved to its current location in 1942, and was renamed for a pioneering Cuban symphonic composer. Its alumni include a who's who of Cuban music going back over a century. But today, with a beautiful Caribbean morning of crisp blue skies and soft cool breezes outside, Tank and the Bangas and the Soul Rebels were packed inside with about 150 young Cuban students gathered in a small performance space. And they were there to witness an exchange of cultures. After a band of secondary school musicians from Cuba played some Latin jazz, a group of high school students who had traveled to Cuba sponsored by the Trombone Shorty Foundation in New Orleans laid down some second-line music. Then, after brand new instruments were given to Cuban music students by the U.S.-based nonprofits Horns to Havana and the Gia Prima Foundation, the Cuban and New Orleans high schoolers moved upstairs into classrooms to do what kids do everywhere, timidly approach each other as if they were at a high school dance. After an ice-breaking jam session in the percussion classroom, these 15- and 16-year-olds tapped into hundreds of years of history that tie Havana and New Orleans together. I want y'all to get my hand clap. And without conducting a music seminar here on the podcast, let me just explain that this familiar New Orleans beat, sometimes called the Bo Diddley beat, is also a fundamental element of Cuban music and is known as the three-two son clave. And by combining these two traditions in this small conservatory classroom in Havana, this group of young musicians closed the circle on two strands of the African diaspora.
Okay, time for a little bit of history. And take notes, because there will be a quiz at the end. The Spanish ruled Louisiana between 1763 and 1802. That would be after the French and just before the U.S. purchased that territory in 1803. It's extremely important to note at this point that enslaved people here in the United States were not allowed to keep their African drumming traditions except in New Orleans. In his meticulously researched books on both Havana and New Orleans, Music historian Ned Sublett points out that during those four decades of Spanish rule, the importation of enslaved people to both cities included large numbers of people from the central West African kingdom known then as Congo, and they brought their musical traditions with them to both cities. There was significant maritime travel between the two Spanish ports, and along with the commerce, Cuban sailors, some of whom were freed former slaves, also brought music that they played dockside in both cities during their downtime. Much of popular Cuban music is based on West African drumming, and those same beats and rhythms would eventually seep into the DNA of the music of New Orleans. Now that is a very simple version of a history that has been written about extensively by real historians and musicologists. And I was kidding, there will not be a quiz. Some people in the United States don't even want to be considered African. Tariana Tankball is doing some deep thinking about Africa on this, her first visit to Cuba. The Tiny Desk contest winner says this visit to Havana reignites her sense of pride in her heritage. Somebody told me a long time ago, if you take a car from Germany and put it, I don't know, in the United States, that'll make that car a car from the United States. You're just a stolen car from Germany. <laughs> in the United States, you know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that you was made there. You were taken and placed there, and that's just what it is. You're gonna always be African, you know? I definitely feel a mixture of both because of the, the culture and the tradition mixed inside of what I know being an American. A second line is, is, is a celebration of that person that passed. Back in the Cuban Classroom Jam session, African roots are part of high schooler Darnell Sims' explanation of a New Orleans tradition while his new Cuban friend David Raul translates. That history was on full display, what could be considered the centerpiece of this week-long cultural exchange. Members of Tank and the Bangas and the Soul Rebels have hundreds of people following them through the streets of one of the oldest parts of Havana. And it's a reminder, really, of the historic musical and cultural connection that these two cities have. People are leaning over their balconies, witnessing a New Orleans second line. The procession was led by New Orleans royalty. Big Chief Monk Boudreaux of the Golden Eagles, who was dressed in traditional New Orleans Indian regalia. We're having a good time all the way from New Orleans. Over here, where the people love it too. What is it about the, the, the cities of New Orleans and Havana? There's some kind of there's some kind of connection there. It might be, who knows? <laughs> who knows? It happened way before our time. <laughs> Along the way, pretty much anyone who had a horn or a cowbell joined the procession. At one point, 50 students from a dance academy along the route joined in, and hundreds of Cubans watched from balconies and doorways. Oh, oh. 
bueno, está bueno, bueno, está bueno. Ese era el estadounidense, porque se ve que es como de Harlem, así, la, la de los morenos, la de los negros. Tiene, tiene buen sabor, tiene buen ritmo. Gracias. Trombone Shorty, or Troy Andrews, was out in front of the second line and a few days after the event reflected on what it meant for him and the hundreds who marched behind him. To be able to be in the streets of Old Havana with, with my childhood friends, the Soul Rebels and Julian Gosson and, and the kids of Cuba, it was just a wonderful, unexplainable feeling, but a lot of joy and love and, 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 and conversations musically through the instruments, through us New Orleanians and the Havana, the Cuban people. It was just a beautiful thing. And I forgot that I was here because some of the dance moves and the way people were moving their bodies to the rhythm is exactly what I experienced in New Orleans when we do do second lines. And it was freaking me out because I forgot that I was here. That's, that's how, you know, when I saw the guy, had the guy, he looks like one of my uncles uh, in Treme and the way he was moving when I was, when we were playing, I was just watching him and I was like, wow, that, that's, that's very close to what we do, or it is the same thing. And it was just unbelievable, you know. Uh, hopefully we can do that again. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we got the radio NPR for all of you. So we are in La Habana hanging out with the New Orleans and Cuba in the Jazz Festival 2020. Am I right? Yes. Claro, claro. Now the host tonight, we got Felix Contreras, directly from NPR. So this is a great, great, great January. We start in the afternoon and in the night we have the concert of Soul Rebels. So getting ready, drink some, some water, eat some meal, because tonight is going to be a crazy night. <laughs> This musical exchange was the brainchild of Cuban musician Eric Iglesias Rodriguez. He is a young singer who also goes by the name of Sima Funk. He and his band have been on the rise internationally after he debuted at the South by Southwest Music Festival last March. When he and his band made their first trip to New Orleans last April, Iglesias says he felt like he was home and felt a very strong kinship with Tank and the Bangas and the Soul Rebels. So he invited them to Havana. I interviewed Iglesias in the back of one of those classic cars you see everywhere in Havana as he moved between photo shoots with the Soul Rebels. Okay, so very quickly, okay, we're in the car, where is it, 1953 Chevy, we're on our way to, from one photo shoot to another with, uh, with Eric from uh, Sima Funk. You were part of this idea at the beginning to bring this intercambio, no? Yeah, this was the main, the main staff was trying to, since they received us in Yolan and they give us the great welcome that they do. We play in Tibetan and start, we start to sing in that idea. I bring them here and try to make collaborations. All the other stuff is like crazy thing that we have been trying to create, like a future sessions, jam together, record more stuff together, meeting with other musicians here from, from La Habana is, you know, and, and it's, we keep inventing things to do. So is this, is this as good as you thought it would be or better? I, I wasn't I wasn't thinking nothing. I just was trying to fix the stuff and, and with the team trying to to fix the way. But it's getting like a super good man. It's getting super good, super good, super good. Even we are doing even more than what we what we seen that we could do. So it's amazing, it's amazing. It's a lot of time now. I don't know, but the time is look like a, we have more and more time for my thing and the ideas, more ideas to do stuff and a lot of people getting support supporting. To vote, you know, and a lot of people bringing new ideas, bringing new cameras, bringing new stuff, and it's great, it's great. When, at what point in your musical career and your musical life did you understand the connection between New Orleans and Havana? 
I understand definitely in April, the first time that I arrived there. The very first time? Yeah, the April. very first time. As, as soon as I get there, that I see the environment, the houses, the architecture, the people, the food. And then the music was like, a boom, we are in, this is home too. This is home to this Caribbean too. So you didn't know about the history? And, and I didn't know about the history. After that, I will start to share some talk with people, with Big Chief uh, from Yola and also with the... Uh, with Big Sam Funky also and so Rebel, they start to tell me history and we start to talk and I realized that definitely, definitely, definitely it's like a big connection, it's a big, big, big connection. And now you guys, the work that you guys are doing with you and your band and, and the people around the band are continuing that connection. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. That's the idea, that's the idea. Just try to connect, trying to get the, the main result of the music, the image, the concert and the tradition because New Orleans is a place that conserves the tradition and keep having these roots behave and Cuba also. You know, so it's like trying to put that together and 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 let know the people that that still we still having this and all the music that we do, all the art that came from Cuba is resolved of something, you know, of something that already passed or something that have been influenced to us. It's like you're discovering a little bit more of yourself. Yeah, of course, definitely. You're discovering a big part of yourself. Definitely, definitely. After that, you seem different, you act different, you believe different. It's a lot of unconscious, subconscious stuff that you start to, to do and that you start to believe that. You don't know how, you don't know why, but it's something that starts to catch you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Tonight, we're going to rock. <laughs> A group called Cuba Educational Travel arranged for the musicians and the nonprofits to arrive in Havana and do their respective work. The Getting Funky in Havana program fell under the umbrella of the annual Havana Jazz Plaza, a jazz festival that for years has been presenting jazz artists from the U.S. alongside their Cuban counterparts. This kind of people-to-people -people contact still requires quite a bit of red tape, but once the forms have been signed and both musicians and music fans arrive at Jose Marti International Airport, the opportunities for life-changing experiences honestly just present themselves. In this next part of this week's show, we're going to spend some time with the musicians from New Orleans to get their impressions from a week in Havana. The interviews were conducted backstage, in the streets, and restaurants, and sitting under a tree on a gloriously bright Caribbean afternoon. First up, Troy Anderson, or Trombone Shorty. A couple of things, Troy. Um, talk a little bit about what you knew and how important that connection is between New Orleans and Havana. You know, when I was 12 years old, I came here in 1998, not being able to put it into words, but the spirit captivated me and it felt like it was home. Like even still today, I've traveled all over the world and it feels foreign to me, even if I've been to places multiple times. When I come here, uh, this is my second time, I feel like I'm at home. So the cultural uh, aspects of both cities between New Orleans and Havana, it is the same. Food, music, culture, and community. And that's why I feel at home, I'm guessing, and it's important that we keep that going because the people of uh, Havana, they thrive off of music, thrive off of community and food and, and the culture. And that's exactly the same thing that we have in New Orleans. And, and I, I, I couldn't actually be in a better place at this moment. But what's always fascinated me is how, you know, the so-called Bo Diddley beat, which is the 3-2 song clave, mm -hmm. you know, is part of the... the the musical language, the DNA of New Orleans. It very much is, you know, and uh, that's like the, 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 the basis of our second line rhythm, 
You know? For all of these years, whenever I'm writing or uh, making music or just at my house, I always think of this place from that time. And, and it's always in there. So I always listen to a lot of Cuban musicians and, and uh, collaborated with a few. So it's been a beautiful thing. Musicologists and historians will tell us that part of the reason may be because enslaved people who were brought here were part of the same group of people who were taken to New Orleans. You know, so it could well, that makes a lot of sense. It could go way back. And, and to show you how strong it is, it stayed around and it had an impact on me and everything that we knew in New Orleans that we created. And, and what you're saying, that I can very much believe that. Yeah, I, without a doubt, it's there. Yeah, I've been looking for someone to explain it to me, a musicologist or something, but I think I'm going to have to go back a couple hundred years. Yeah, we've got to go mean? back a couple of hundred <laughs> years because it's, it's obviously there. Yeah. You know, we yeah. just we, we can't yeah. prove it yet because we have to go do our research. Yeah. But if you listen to the music and the styles and the rhythms that's been, that's been uh, kept around for a long time, it's there. So you're here as a musician, but you're also here as part of your foundation, uh, the Trombone Shorty Foundation, in a um, cultural and educational exchange. Talk to me a little bit about why that's important. Well, I think it's important because the, I want the kids to get an opportunity to see uh, the world and, and understand what music can do for the human beings and uh, bring people together. And also, uh, I wanted to bring them here, especially because of the culture, and I wanted them to see how, how close we were and also get the Cuban kids to play with the kids from New Orleans and we have a meeting of cultures and uh, it was just very important because I remember like I said being 12 it's, it, it stuck with me and I'm pretty sure this experience especially that the kids can use their phone they get to have a real experience here <laughs> I'm happy about that because they get to be present in the moment uh, it's, 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 they won't never forget it and hopefully they'll leave here with some uh, with some music uh, Cuban music uh, knowledge in their brain to where they can always put that into whatever music that they're, that they're going to create and hopefully we do the same we leave some of New Orleans here until we meet again now just one, a couple more questions very quickly uh, one of the things I'm doing here is following Tank and the Bangas because of course they won our Tiny Desk contest a couple years yes, ago yes, yes, you know yes. just sort of keep a track of their career they got yeah. nominated for Grammy this year yes, you know it was yes. a big 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 year for them oh yeah you yeah. know so Talk a little bit about their participation. I, w I wanted to bring Tango the Bangers to the, well, they're up and coming, relatively young as a music group in New Orleans and around the world. So I thought that it would be a great thing to have here with where they're bringing the music, you know, with the hip hop and the, the R&B and the, the theatrical side to it. And I just thought that it would be great. And also I'm, j I'm just a big fan and I just wanted to see them perform because I don't, I don't get a chance to really see a lot of people perform because we always crisscrossing across the world, across the road. And I've been knowing them for a while, and and I just thought that those guys in the Soul Rebels would be, the Soul Rebels will be a great uh, addition to this trip. Just one message that you want to come from this event, this experience, this whole thing, because I know a lot of work went into it. There's one message you'd like people to know about it. What is it? First of all, if you can get here, you have to experience this once-in-a-lifetime experience and also uh, it's just one love that's it that's what that's what we're here to do show our people that we love them and, and here we are uh, collaborating together and making music in great harmony members of the soul rebels were the hardest to keep up with they were seemingly all over the city first up saxophonist Arion Williams backstage after an opening night performance what was happening up there 
It all all stems from Africa, man. Just uh, just all the all the things that we've learned here, you know. It's all all stemming from Africa, Latin Cuban fusion and New Orleans funk and everything in between, man. That's what we call a gumbo there. <laughs> Next, trumpeter Julian Gosson. How did you feel it fill it up there tonight? It was in my soul, man. It's in the blood. You know, everything comes from Africa. The roots are here, the roots are in New Orleans. So it was an easy combination to put together, man. It just, I felt like I was at home. Felt like I was at home. And finally, Tank Ball, lead singer from Tank of the Bangas. The invitation to come along on this trip, as well as their recent Grammy nomination as Best New Artist, are all part of the life-changing events that happened after the band won our Tiny Desk Contest in 2017. And Tank was in a very reflective mood on the afternoon of her last visit in Havana. Okay, so I know it's been a lot to take in. There's been a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, even I can I can barely keep up myself. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just wondering, if in a word, what if you're, just a word, what are your impressions after this week? Incredible. Okay, that's a word. One of the reasons I'm here is to be able to follow you guys and watch how this happens and how, how this works and and then also see what kind of benefits come from, you know, winning the tiny desk. But it seems once I got here and I started doing the research, it's more profound than that, right? It's oh, like yeah. it's a deeper connection between New Orleans and Havana. Talk a little bit about how you understand that deep connection. You know, just even walking in the Kunga mm -hmm. and the second line, you just felt a sense of family, appreciation, love, excitement, all from the people in the balcony. Just authentic, you know, genuine. These are all the words I think of when um, I'm thinking about this unique connection. I told somebody earlier, it just felt like Africans were just dropped off everywhere and they made do with what happened to them, but the spirit continued and moved on through the rhythm, through dance, something that's completely natural, something that can't be taken away. You know, no matter where they dropped us off, we still found our way back to each other. That's what it felt like. New Orleans is a unique place in the United States where it was the only place where the enslaved people were able to keep their drums, mm -hmm. keep that tradition alive. And it, for, I think that, that for, for that reason, the music's always been very special and very syncopated in a, lot, in a lot of different ways and it's not in the United States. But at the same time, when you come here, it's like it's the other half of the heartbeat almost. For sure, especially when you put it that way. It's, it is like the other half of it because all of it is such a puzzle since we were so dispersed and it's all just kind of fitting right on back together. That's what it feels like, yeah. the other half of the tambourine. <laughs> so how do you think it's going to impact your music? I don't know. Um, it definitely the ladies, the women. Oh my gosh! I never, I never felt watching the ladies just so feminine, so sexy, and it makes me want to write more vividly, even more colorfully than before, to talk about what's going on in a different part of the world. It makes me want. I, I think it'll, I think it'll affect me in that way. You know. Let's talk a little bit, and I just I wouldn't want to take up too much more of your time, but let's talk a little bit more about that, that second line. That was really one of the most amazing things I've ever been part of, man. It's definitely going to go down in, on my list. You know, I, I make a list every year of some of the top things that I experience, and, I, I mean, my list get bigger every year. I mean, truly. And this, I mean, the beginning of my year is amazing. I mean, like the, 
the morning show, going to Tokyo, Cuba, you know, experiencing a second line in Congo, all in one moment, walking through the streets. What are you hearing from some of the other members of your band? What are their reaction? What are they thinking? They love it. They love it. They want to come back. They don't. We're here. We're hearing the history, and we don't. We don't like that there are so many restrictions on coming or leaving here. Cause, I mean, as a human being, your right of this earth is to experience different people, different cultures, different traditions, travel the world. Nobody owns no part of the world to me, and I don't. I don't really like that. So everybody deserves to know. Everybody deserves the right to happiness and and for their uh, just curiosity. And I don't like nobody putting sanctions on anybody to not explore the God-given world. For sure. I say every artist kind of looks for that moment that just is going to change their life, make them do this or do that. Oh, I had this one trip, or oh, this happened, and I just started. Every, everybody wants that, you know, whether you admit it to yourself or not. You want something to change you and shake you up for the positive. You, you want that moment. You know, one of those moments for me was uh, Tiny Dance. One of those moments for me was, you know, uh, winning a national championship with my, with my poetry team in New Orleans. Uh, one of those moments was Hurricane Katrina when I had to leave everything behind and start anew. So you always look for those moments when everything changed for you. And I, I hope this is one of them, because you want that. You don't want to just settle in your artistry at one level and your spirit, you wanna you wanna grow higher, you wanna grow bigger. Thanks, Tay. You both New Orleans and Havana are cities in which music has both a recreational and a spiritual quality. It has the power to lift people up. It has the power to soothe. It has the power to help reach out and touch the divine. And this week, for Tank and the Bangas, the Soul Rebels, the Youth Band of the Trombone Shorty Foundation, and Cuba's Sima Funk. It did all of that and more. As we've seen, the music of New Orleans and Havana resonate with history. And this week, Tank and the Bengas added another chapter to their own history as they grooved their way forward from winning NPR's Tiny Desk Contest by joining the Soul Rebels and Sema Funk in Havana this week. And I think all involved in this cultural exchange would agree that only good things come from musicians celebrating a shared musical history. Thank you for coming along on the special edition of both All Songs Considered and Alt Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras reporting from Havana, Cuba. Was I supposed to tell you that I've grown Oh, there's certain things that you should have known Doesn't winter turn spring Don't you see colors changing things? You say I say too much. You say my leaves ain't green enough. You say you can't take that I've changed. But what you supposed to do the same?